Hello theatre students and welcome to Showroom Chats. Showroom Chats is supported by the Showroom Theatre Chichester, the University of Chichester Theatre Department and edited and produced by myself, Andy Roberts. Uh, so we've got a little something different today, uh, a little appendix to my chat with Sleepwalk Collective last week. Um, I sat down with Yara Solano uh, as Sammy Metcalf, the other half of Sleepwalk Collective, uh, was unwell during our chat. But uh, Sammy has done something really quite lovely and he has taken the questions, had a listen to our chat, and sort of just done a little kind of appendix, a little kind of add-on of, of any thoughts and feelings he has, um, and things that he would have liked to add to the conversation. So I, I'm really happy, and it's really lovely that Sammy was willing to sit down and do that. Um, it's only 20 minutes long, uh, but yeah, so um, here's Sammy with his uh, his small little appendix to mine and Yara's chat. Hello, this is Sammy recording a kind of appendix for uh, Yara's interview. Um, I don't really have that much to add. I mean, Yara kind of covered everything uh, kind of beautifully. And um, I think there is a, I mean, although there are obviously uh, sometimes creative things that we disagree on, that's just the nature of collaboration uh, i think a lot of the kind of real guiding principles and the ethos of the of the company and especially everything that you said about uh creating your own context that's all stuff that we after all of these years working together we we agree on and we we have have a kind of understanding and 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 as yara's also said we have gone through a process of kind of analyzing that and trying to understand what that is uh in recent years so i think the main thing that I'd say is just like, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I agree with what Yara said. Um, but just because I've had the luxury of getting to listen through her spontaneous answers and think about it a little bit, uh, I'm just going to add a few things. And this is mainly just kind of reiterating, uh, emphasizing things that Yara's already said. Uh, one thing I want to pick on pick up on to start with is just because Yara mentioned at some point that like, ah, oh, you know, sometimes the uh, the spark of a show might come uh, in the shower. That's literally true. That literally happened. I remember really clearly uh, with karaoke, the idea for karaoke came in about uh, 30 seconds in the shower when I was on holiday with my parents. Uh, as it, it as in it sort of came really fully formed, the idea of... Um, we will make a show which is a karaoke where we will read all of the texts and all of the instructions off of a screen in front of us. That was a really kind of instantaneous just thought. I just didn't necessarily think it was a good idea to begin with. I mean, those ideas do come sometimes anyway, and then you need to give it maybe a week or so to see if you're still thinking about it, to see if it feels like a good idea. But yeah, the actual, and, and as Yada said, because we often start with the form, uh, before we start to think about content, um, like those are the kind of ideas that we latch on to. Something which is just, it's a purely formal idea that if you're lucky, they kind of arrive almost out of the blue. Uh, so it was a 30 second idea, but then it took us probably about um, about a year of residencies and we did some work in progress um, to kind of figure out what that form could do and what that form could and should talk about and another thing that Yara's uh, spoken about where in relation to amusements especially is this idea of really um, committing to an idea and not breaking the rules of that idea um, 
that can be difficult sometimes because it means you are dismissing a lot of things that you might want to do in a particular show. You just go, well, that doesn't fit. That doesn't fit within the rules and limitations that we've set ourselves. But ultimately, it's really useful. Um, it makes it easier to kind of bind somewhere kind of profound in the middle of that idea because you're giving yourself potentially quite a small range of things to to work with and so you have to really push into that um so yeah so yeah sometimes the ideas literally come in the shower and then and then you've got to figure out then we have to figure out kind of what that idea is and what that idea actually means and and what it can do um in terms of the actual process uh, i just want to add something to uh, well, what Yara was saying uh, in terms of how we work and whether there's writing done beforehand and or whether it's made in the room uh, I think my sense of it my experience of it is that that's kind of shifted over the years I think we when we started working together pretty much everything was kind of happening in the room whether that was actually a rehearsal room or or another kind of space um or just our bedroom or on a boat or or wherever we were um but we would kind of do everything uh together in a in a space there wasn't a lot of sitting down and writing stuff in advance i think that largely came from the fact that we really came out of a a training that was it wasn't purely a performer training because we also covered, I mean, it was a kind of training in making work collaboratively. Uh, but it was, I would say that we were trained more as performers uh, than as anything else. And had some director training as well. But we didn't really have, uh, have training as in, in writing very directly. So I think at the beginning, we didn't, I didn't have a sense of myself as a writer Um I, I didn't feel like I really knew how to do that. What I knew how to do was get in a room and generate text collaboratively with other people. So that was how we would write. The writing would all be done in the room. Um, and over years of doing that and gradually getting more confident and gradually sort of understanding how text can work in performance. And I think it's another another thing that's maybe worth adding is like, I think that we we can write for the stage, but we can't necessarily write for anywhere else. I think writing for performance is something that's it's kind of its own specific thing. Like language to be spoken uh, works in a way that's very different from language, which is written to be read from the page is is my feeling um but i think that over the over the years of working we've got a lot more confident in terms of like how to work with language and how to work with text and so we're now at a point where there is a there is a greater part of that work which is done outside of the room and that doesn't necessarily mean it's done in advance of rehearsals uh we'll now usually start a process with some stuff written but then you kind of you see what that sounds like in the room and you see what you're kind of doing visually or what you're doing in terms of music um and then write in response to that but it's i think at least some of the projects we've done recently i think more and more of writing definitely composition of sound some of the conceptual thinking is happening uh out of the room and sometimes uh individually because that means that we can 
use the time we have in rehearsal rooms to kind of do stuff that's new for us. Uh, so some of the work we're doing at the moment, we're putting a lot more, we're spending a lot more time in rehearsals looking at things like choreography or of work that's more choreographic, more visual, which is kind of newer for us and harder for us. And we appreciate having the time for that. Um, and we're feeling able to do that because we're not spending so much rehearsal time on on figuring out what the text is. So, yeah, I think there has been a kind of gradual shift uh, that's uh, over, over the last decade, really. And that's come from... The fact that we're more confident about certain things, we feel like we've kind of learnt to do certain things. And this actually applies to like a whole load of different things as well. Um, and I'm going to kind of jump forward a bit to talk about uh, music because it's related to this. Uh, I think in terms of like the way we work with music and with sound has also evolved in a in a similar way throughout the last decade or so. Uh, I mean, Yara was like, <laughs> Yara was really generous and said that I'm a musician. Uh, I'm kind of not really a musician. I don't think of myself as a musician. I have like, I'm kind of competent, I guess. Uh, but uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not very skilled in a conventional sense. I can't really write songs. Uh, but, and well, I mean, it took me like a really long time to feel confident enough. Like, it's, and this is the same as with, with writing. It took me a long time to feel confident uh, enough to start making seriously making music uh for our shows and i think one thing that helped was i think of it as sound design rather than music like it's not composing songs it's not composing music that has to work by itself it's creating something which is just a part of what the audience are experiencing it's you know the music is uh occupies a certain space but it's always accompanied by um, images or it's accompanied by text or it's accompanied by a whole load of different things um, and that kind of makes it easier like the music uh, doesn't have to be so interesting uh, in fact I kind of feel like it shouldn't be that interesting I think sometimes if the music and this is just my experience of making stuff for our shows sometimes if the music's too interesting it kind of doesn't work because it's not leaving space for um it's not leaving space for everything else that's, that's uh, got to be on stage with it. So, yeah, I kind of really think of it as it's just a component of the show. It's designing sound and texture and mood rather than like trying to make music that's interesting in itself. Um, and it's sort of, I just kind of, as with many aspects of our work, kind of learnt slowly through the process of making shows uh, and through trying to engage with what feels tangible, with what feels available, um, working, like the first few shows we started doing soundtracks for, I was working with very limited uh, kind of equipment to make music with, uh, but it was stuff that I could kind of understand what it was and it had a, an aspect to it that felt that felt tangible to me. And I think we've had a similar um, process in terms of things like lighting design, which is we have no uh, background or training or experience in designing lights. And we've had, uh, we have worked over the last decade with uh, Alex Fernandez, who Yara mentioned, who's been great. He's been really, he's had a really big impact on just what our shows look like. Um, he did uh, design for a number of projects and kind of taught me 
essentially uh not just the kind of some of the practical technical stuff but just uh like just taught me about like aesthetic and about color and about light and stuff like that and um it's again like so the a couple of recent projects i did the lighting uh by myself when we couldn't afford to have alex with us uh and i kind of managed to do that by just trying to find what's tangible uh what's um what feels manageable so if that means just having four or five lights but i really i can really see what they do and feel what they do uh that's enough uh yara's spoken quite a lot about the idea of working within limitations whether limit those are limitations that you've imposed or or limitations that are imposed on you i think that's hugely important sometimes it's when you have those kind of limitations you can really see what the possibilities are within those limitations uh and you're not overwhelmed by the sense of like well, i can do absolutely anything and yeah this connects to uh the process of making the sirens as well and a lot of our early work where we were really working with very little but that can be a huge uh benefit because it's yeah it's not it's manageable you you have to maximize what you've got but also you can see the possibilities and the potential in those in that handful of elements that you have because you're not distracted by you know everything else that you could be doing uh so that's been really good and that's really i think helped us to uh to learn things and i think in terms of uh to connect this to one of the other questions this this, this question of like what is what advice would you give to uh students or recent graduates or young artists i mean everything that yara said is 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 hugely important and that idea of a kind of creating independent networks it's been massive for us in so many ways and really pleasurable as well uh like i think we kind of i definitely sort of at the beginning thought of kind of producing and programming as like uh like a more stable job <laughs> than being an uh, an artist and it really wasn't i think we lost money on stuff at the beginning we were kind of being our artistic work was supporting the producing work which kind of felt like that wasn't how it was supposed to be um but it uh but it was really rewarding it's really pleasurable to do um but yeah i think the other the just to try to add something to what yara said uh i think the advice that i would give is yeah like set yourself limitations and looks for what's tangible and in kind of engage with things that you don't really know how to do as well find like a big thing like lighting design that you don't know how to do and then find within that something that you do know how to do and just and just work with that i mean we lit the sirens with uh lamps from ikea because uh that was what we had available and that's what we felt like we knew uh how to work with because we were really scared of working with uh, theatrical lights uh and that was like a really important step to then when we did amusements i think it had like four lights in it I mean, it was a real theater lights and we were using a lighting disc uh but it's yeah that kind of thing of like finding what's tangible and taking making kind of baby steps and like squeezing everything you can out of out of limited resources uh and i think it really helps you when you then uh kind of step up to having uh to having a lot more available and actually one thing i'm going to say the only thing i'm going to disagree 
<laughs> with Yara on in a slightly foolhardy kind of way, if I'm honest, um, is she said that she prefers making sure in a big space and then putting it into a smaller space. And I kind of prefer it the other way around. I really like making something uh, somewhere really small and then being allowed to put it on a really big stage. Because uh, you just suddenly you get all this space around this thing you made. You get this kind of big, kind of dark space around it. And then you have this little thing you've made kind of floating in the middle of it. And I really love when we get to do that. And I love getting to see it. I don't know if it always works. Uh, I'm not very good at judging that kind of thing sometimes. And uh, I think my kind of aesthetic sense is a little bit misguided at points. But uh, so I'm not saying I'm technically, I'm not saying I'm objectively right about this but I do uh, I do like doing things that way around and uh, and getting to see a small thing somewhere really big uh, yeah but like Yara was saying the question of whether like how you actually make that work like I don't know I don't know um, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna add one last thing and this is going back a bit uh, I just want to kind of re iterate the importance of translation uh, in terms of our process. Uh, Yara spoke about it a little bit, but it's, I think, I think, yeah, the, the, the fact of working in two different languages is more important than the, maybe the fact that we've worked in two different cultures. I mean, the influence from the two different cultures has been, has been really significant that's been an absolute luxury getting to see the work that's made in Spain and the work that's made in the UK but uh, I think in terms of our process this thing of working both English and Spanish has been hugely formative um, because I mean it's still the case that generally text is written in English first because uh, I still I find it hard to kind of write performance text in in Spanish. I can sort of imagine how it might work in um, in Spanish, and we also we work with a lot of Spanish-speaking performers, and so and we are still generating a certain amount of text in rehearsals often, uh, and so sometimes the kind of raw improvised material is in Spanish already, and then you kind of uh, jigsaw that all together. Um, but yeah, the, the texts tend to be written in English first. And then just by chance, it's often usually the case that we premiere shows in Spanish, which means that before we've even performed the English versions, they go through the process of translation, which Yada, uh, which Yada does. And she, she's really good at translating stuff now. Um, and something about that process, the fact that the text is immediately kind of removed from itself in a way, uh, I think has a really major impact on how the work evolves. And often uh, stuff that we discover in that process of putting the text into Spanish then feeds back into the final English version. And it's, I think, as well as the fact that Yara collaborates on all of the writing and uh, and... Uh, particularly in terms of like text that she is performing. I mean, this goes for all the performers. I mean, we, we have a thing that we tend to, we really try to write for the specific performers that we're working with 
sort of write with them and for them and for their voice and for what sounds right for them to say it. So that itself is is a really important part of the writing and of the editing is is adapting the text to the uh, performers with the performers. But yeah, aside from that, I think Yara's work translating text has a huge impact on the text itself and is really integral to the writing process. So yeah, I think, yeah, translation's really, it's it's been really important to us for, for a long time. And we are at this stage, um, having spent kind of a decade or so making English and Spanish versions of all the shows, at the moment we're kind of going through a stage where we're actually going, like people can deal with subtitles. People can watch subtitled stuff. They do it in the, they watch subtitled cinema all the time. It's, they're fine. So we're kind of interested in making stuff where we will be potentially doing uh, shows which are uh, partially or even entirely in Spanish uh, for an English audience um, with subtitles just because it's a kind of different way of of receiving text. It's, it's interesting. It changes what it feels like. And Yara's spoken about that a little bit as well. So yeah, I think that's about everything I've got to add. Uh, Yara kind of covered everything else. But uh, yeah, yeah, great. All good. I will leave that there. Okay, bye. And that was Sammy Metcalf, the other half of Sleepwalk Collective. I just want to say once again, thanks so much to Sammy for taking the time out of his busy schedule to kind of sit down and record that for us. Um, it was a really lovely thing for him to do. So thank you, Sammy. Um, we'll be coming back with the next Showroom Chats episode uh, towards the end of November. And I'm hoping to sit down with Bert and Nazzy sort of during the middle of November at some time for our chat. So that should be coming at you by the end of November. Um, as always, stay safe, everyone. Hope you're well. Bye-bye.